We're back to the Neil Haley Show in the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program celebrity Burt Ward, the original Robin. Burt, thanks for calling. And uh, I think what has happened losing a, a colleague and a great friend of yours, it's kind of bittersweet what's happening with the new uh, show coming out, right, for sure, with, with yes. Adam's passing. Yes, uh, you know, we have a brand new movie out from Warner Brothers called Batman versus Two-Face. Um, this was the last project that Adam West worked on. He uh, provided the voice of Batman. I provide the, provide the voice of Robin. And the character Two-Face is voiced by none other than William Shatner. So here you have the two most iconic television shows in history, Batman and Star Trek, with the actors working together. Wow. And uh, that, that's going to be an interesting cast working with to get back and, and film this, right? Uh, just to get you guys all back together and working with uh, the cast. That's, that must be a, must have been a fun experience, wasn't it? Well, yes. And, and now it, it's come out uh, today on Blu-ray and DVD. And uh, last weekend I was in New York City at the New York Comic Con where we had a world premiere of the movie and people were standing ovation they just loved it it was fantastic and it's amazing to watch the as many fans as you guys have the from the original show right it, it just it's 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 humbling isn't it we it, it is you know i mean uh, batman has, has you know it came out in in 1966 it's been in prime time for three years and in reruns ever since then here Today in the U.S., it's on every single week on MeTV, and we have a, generations of kids have grown up watching Batman. Exactly, and now they're telling their kids to watch it, right? So it just continues to be a process that everyone will continue to watch that show forever, you know. And that's 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 oh, just yeah. a great. It's a lot of fun. It's healthy. It's family entertainment. And this new movie is really cool. I mean, it has got a combination of the great stuff that we did uh, in, back in the time we originally made Batman combined with some of the stuff in the new movie theaters that have come out of Batman. And you, the, the two together, combining them, it makes it a really spectacular movie. It, it's a great film from Warner Brothers. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and you're getting the great feedback and uh, – what would you say, again, one of your fondest memories working with Adam? Can you tell us? Can I tell you something? I met him just before our screen test in 1965, and in five minutes of talking to this man, the two of us were laughing and never stopped laughing. Really? What a wonderful, loving, incredible, hilarious man with the most amazing sense of humor you could ever imagine. And people ask me all the time, what was, what was Adam like? And I said, you know, what you saw on the screen is exactly what he was off the screen. Bigger than life. I mean, just an amazing, fun, wild, crazy guy. And he was like the Batman. I mean, you've got great actors that have portrayed him in movies, but there's only one bright night, and that is Adam West. And how do you like going and connected? Yeah, no, sorry, Bert. Well, I was going to no. say, you know, 
And, and, and one of the things that Adam would do, just to give you an idea, is that when we make these appearances and we come out on stage, you know, we sign autographs, answer questions, but then they have these panels where we speak to like several thousand people at a time. And I'm introduced first. I come out and people clap and I say hello. Then Adam comes out. And when he comes out, he stands there for a moment and will say something like, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to stand here a few extra moments and allow you to gaze at my incredible physical development. And, you know, people start laughing because he's so funny. (laughs) And then he says, would you like to know how at 88 years of age I stay in such great shape? And they say, yes. He says, every morning I have a bowl of Burt Ward's Gentle Giants dog food. And Uh people start crying. They're laughing so hard, which leads me into kind of a, an ironic twist because, as you know or probably know, that my wife and I for the last 23 years have rescued more than 15,500 dogs. It's our charity. It's called Gentle Giants. We're the largest giant breed dog rescue in the world. We're a charity, 501c3. We take no salary whatsoever. It's all about the animals. And in the course of doing this, we have found a way to double and triple the lifespan of dogs. We have dogs living as long as 27 years. And when oh. Adam would, would make this joke on, on, on in front of people, it, you know, I got to tell you something. My heart kind of gets a little pain in it because here with creating this wonderful dog food that has doubled the lifespan of dogs, I would give anything if I could have doubled the lifespan of my dear friend. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, he just seemed so uh, giving, as he's been telling us, and and your work that you're doing with for dogs, saving dogs' lives, is just amazing. We all know how you rescue so many animals. You've come on the show before, rescue so many dogs at your home and what you're doing, but where's the best place we can find info? I know for fact you said now it's available. Batman versus Two-Face is now available on Blu-ray. But what about information on Gentle Giants dog food and stuff? Where can we go? Yeah, our Gentle Giants dog food now is going into all the Walmarts across the country. It'll be in by February, and also we're in all the stop and shop stores in New England. And you know, and and for people can then they can have a chance for their dog to live as long as our dogs, which are living up to 27 years. And by the way, our dogs are so healthy. The only time they go to a veterinarian is every three years for a $10 rabies update. And, you know, with the right kind of food and nutrition and love, everybody's dogs can live as long as our dogs are living, up to 27 years. All right. So the best place we can find info is go where? Well, uh, it'll be in every Walmart. It's available online at at walmart.com, chewy.com, petsmart.com. And, and and then, like I said, it'll be in all the Walmarts in February of 2018, just a few months away. And we're also, at the end of this month, in all the stop-and-shop stores. I don't know if you have them in your area, but they, they're, they're like 770 grocery stores on the whole uh, uh, New England coast. So, um, it, you know, and it's just our charity, and we're thrilled to do it. And people could, by the way, if they want to get information on how to properly feed and care for their dog, they can write to us on our Facebook page, Gentle Giants Dog Food and Products, and we get 
thousands of emails a week, and my wife and I answer every single one of them. We help people for free. We take no money from this. In fact, we tell people that our dog food, you get twice the life for half the price, and it's all about charity, and I want everybody's dog to live as long as ours. In fact, I just want to mention one thing. My daughter is now 26 years of age. We got her at an American Eskimo, which is about a small breed dog, and when she was a year and a half. She's had that same dog for more than 20 years. You can't do that with regular dog food, but you can do it with Gentle Giants dog food. All right, so everyone needs to go to GentleGiantsRescue.com for more information on Burt Ward. Find the Facebook page, Twitter, all those things. Burt, thanks for calling, and best of luck, man. Thank you, citizens, to the Batmobile. All right, to the Batmobile. Take care, Bert. Thanks. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment. And, oh, I guess it's time to think about holiday cooking. It's time to think about uh, maybe eating a little bit more than we're, we want to at times. But I'm excited to welcome the program celebrity chef Rocco Despirito. Rocco, thanks hey guys, for calling. What's going on, How man? are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm good. I'm good. You know what? It... Good, Rocco. Go for it, bro. So, you doing good? I'm doing really great. Now that I'm talking to you, doing even better. And uh, I was just going to say, the holidays are a great time to just say no. You know you're going to go to hell in a handbasket, no matter what you do. So you might as well start with a little resistance. You know what I mean? Exactly. And your new book is going to do that, right? Rocco's Healthy and Delicious. So, you know, you got to be excited about the book coming out and uh, tell us a little bit about it. I'm super excited. It's been in the works for two and a half years. It's a follow-up to my negative calorie diet, which I think we spoke about when the time when it came out. And that book did really well, you know, pointed out uh, lots of healthy foods that you can eat uh, unlimited amounts of. And that was sort of unheard of science at the time. And this book is not a diet book. So I want to emphasize that I'm not asking you to go on a plan, do a 21 day detox, uh, you know, uh, drink that silly maple syrup and, and cayenne pepper and lemon juice that makes you poop all day long. Not none of that nonsense. <laughs> I just want, I don't want you to read about a diet. I want you to just live a healthier lifestyle. So it's 248 recipes, incredibly easy. They're mostly plant-based and uh, each comes with a full page photo. So you really get to see how it should look. You know, I've heard from my readers a lot about my recipes, some good, some bad in the past uh, 12 years. And most of them say they just need more photos, more photos, more photos. They really need a visual representation. So if you're into food porn and you love looking through cookbooks because of the photos, you're going to flip out when you see this one. It's got almost 600 photos in it. Wow. And you know what's interesting, Rocco, when you talk about, um, Chef, you talk about the specifics of uh, they want to see that photo. They want to see it because everyone is now because of how big this industry is the cooking industry on television all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days yeah, a week. So visual multiple now channels, too, you know. They want to see it visually so that they have the time. Cause sometimes on a cooking show, they can't keep up, but they can keep up themselves in a cookbook because they can go at their own pace exactly. and the more, more instruction, the better, right? Absolutely. You know what? I'm finding that, uh, 
people are trying to cook at home more. They want to cook at home more. They're afraid of the work it's going to take. But but nevertheless, uh, cooking kit sales are up and huge. Uh, people are going to farmers markets. The um, you know pre-made foods of like a Trader Joe's where you finish it at home are selling like crazy. People are really looking forward to learning how to cook and cooking at home for their family. Uh, dudes find it like a great way to to go on a date. Girls love it. Uh, but the problem is that they're watching food TV and what we're presenting on food TV right now is a lot of competition shows, uh, yep. a lot of food craziness, stuff you'll never do at home and should never do at home. Trust me, because <laughs> that food is so indulgent. It's, it'll give you a heart attack in one season. Uh, so what they need is just some simple guidance. And with Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, yep food has become so hyper visual visual that if they don't there's not a great photo they're not going to even try the recipe i've I've, um published books with a photo for every recipe and some without and the ones that have a photo for every recipe are the ones that do much better and the ones that don't people don't even know about those recipes they just skip right over them it just looks like you know yeah, yeah yeah chef why is it with the photo explain to me the photo it's is that the complete final finished product or photos throughout that process? So I do both, actually. I love to do uh, step-by-steps. The problem is, you know, getting the pages from the publisher. If I could, I would do a step-by-step for every photo, every recipe. Um, I was lucky to get 400 pages for this, which is considered a really big book these days. You know, paper costs money, printing costs money. So we're always fighting that. Um, You know, I provide the photos, so it's not like they have to take the pictures. I do all the food styling. I plate every plate myself i cook every dish myself wow. and i'm not a big uh i'm not a big traditional food stylist in the sense that i use you know elmer's glue to make a white sauce look perfect i shoot the dish as it came out of the pan so that it looks real it looks imperfect and that's how it's going to come out at your house and i want you to feel uh empowered you know i want you to look at that dish and say i can do that and then look at the recipe list and say, oh, you know, there's only like five, six ingredients. I, I, I should try that. I'm just getting you uh, – my goal is to get you to just try or even think about it. And if you add one or two of these recipes a week to your life, you'll be, you'll be improving the quality of your health tremendously. You won't even know you're eating healthy food because uh, about – you know, I'm 12 years into this healthy and delicious thing, and I've done a pretty good job now of figuring out how to make food taste really good but get rid of the – crappy carbs and all the sugar and the gluten and all the dairy that's causing so many health problems. I don't know about you, but uh, all I hear about are people getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And we've got to do something about it. And part of it is cooking at home. Big part of it. Absolutely. Oh, you, you, you hit hit the nail on the head. The one thing I want to talk about plant-based explain that plant-based because, you know, people don't want to be vegetarians. They kind of hear that word. Yeah. They get a little nervous. I'm not asking you to be a vegetarian. I'm not asking you to be a vegan. I also want to remind you that most Americans get most of their calories from carbs, so we are already plant-based. It, it, we're eating Cheetos, Doritos, potato chips, Fritos. You know, those are all plant-based foods. They're just not the right plant-based foods, unfortunately. They're highly processed. They've got tons of pesticide residue. They're made from GMO corn. Uh, so we're already living a plant-based lifestyle. We just need to convert that from unhealthy plants to healthy plants. And, you know, the USDA is getting involved. They're finally seeing the light. They're starting to subsidize not only corn and soybean production, but they're su- subsidizing organic farming now, which is great. Uh, and we need to move to whole local uh, 
whole whole plant local uh, fresh foods. If you did that, you would change your life forever. If you just stop eating food that came out of a package or a bag or a frozen box 24-7 or a restaurant 24-7 and, and made a little fresh, local, plant-based food, you'd be doing wonders. I don't know about your listeners, but if I talk to any crowd, any crowd I address, I ask, how many people have a, a, a mother, a father, a parent, an uncle, a sister or brother with a serious life-threatening health issue? And every time, half the room raises their hands. And that's all lifestyle related. You know, you can cook your way out of that problem, and it's pretty easy. I find cooking easier and more convenient than ordering out. I don't know about you guys, but when you order out, you got to give your credit card over the phone, and yeah. half the time they get the number wrong, and the rest of them, when the food comes, it's wrong, and it's an hour later, and then there's all this disposable crap you got to clean up. You know, I, I don't, I don't find it so convenient anymore. All right. Where's the best so, place we can purchase a book and learn more about you, Chef? Where can we go to all right, get that so book? A really good way to get my book and get it signed, which is cool, is go to RoccoBook.com. You can pre-order it. I'll sign it live on Tuesday the 17th on Facebook Live. On my Facebook Live page, you'll wow. be able to see me sign your book live. But otherwise, wherever books are sold, Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, all the independent bookstores have got it. There's about 120,000 books out there right now, so... Just waiting for you guys to pick it up. All right, Rocco. Thanks for calling. Best of luck, man. And thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Take care. Thanks. Okay. See you later. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program celebrity Ben Schwartz, author of Things hey. You Know About Dating, You Blanking Idiot. Ben, thanks for calling. How are you? Of course, man. Everything is pretty good. How are you? Awesome. Okay, so why a dating book? Okay, uh, I know it's just a, a process. Millennials don't understand dating at all. That's the first thing I'll say. And I, I think millennials, in a lot of ways, don't understand a lot of things, as I'm 44 myself and employ many millennials. Uh, what was the reasoning for writing it? Yeah, so me and uh, Laura Moses, is a great writer as well, had thought, like, there's so many chivalrous things that have kind of been thrown, thrown away. The idea of not walking a girl to her car or paying for dinner or the idea of just talking like a human being in front of somebody as opposed to texting. So we wanted to make this book that kind of listed 100 tips that could take you through the, uh, what dating is today and to make you happy and all, and all those things, um, to guide you through it in a normal human way as everybody gets addicted to these apps and forgets to learn how to like, talk to someone. Yeah, and what's up with texting? What's up with texting where, they'll, you know, I text back somebody in two minutes, and if I text someone, I'm expecting if they're on the phone, the response will come right back. What is happening? Is, this happens to my people work with me all the time. Why is it that it might take forever for them to get back to you? And that's got to be annoying and dating for sure. We have that literally. We have that as one of the things. You should text back an appropriate amount of time. And also a big thing that happens now is a term called ghosting which people will literally just stop texting or calling and that's how they break up with you. They just, so it's just us writing this book, talking about text back in a normal amount of time. Why are you waiting so long? I know your phone's on you at all times. Text back. Or if you're, or if you're like busy or something, tell me. And also if you want to break up with someone, first of all, if it's been a while, break up with someone in person, let them, let them do that in person. And don't, and don't text and stuff like that. And absolutely don't stop texting for no reason. 
Yeah, and why the other thing? Let's talk about how how much time is now bar the bar scene's not anymore, right, Ben? Meaning, if you're going to hook up or meet somebody, it's a lot of times it's going to come on the internet, isn't it? It's going to come on the phone. It's going to come on where you might meet them for a second, but the real first getting to know you period is basically texting, basically sending messages, yeah. right? Yes, it's, it, and I think also what that does, which kind of is a flaw, is that it makes it almost like Laura and I use the term disposable love, that people are so quick to swipe right and left that when they actually go on a date and the date doesn't go exactly as they planned, they'll throw that person out and go right back to the drawing board instead of taking the time to try with someone or learn or learn, you know what I mean, stuff like that. So I think the apps have big positives because, you know, you can reach to 100 billion people, but negatives also because it feels like it's never ending. There always feels like there's someone else that could be on the other end that could possibly be the person. How frustrating when you, you were doing the research of finding out how many people are frustrated with dating in this day and age compared to, for myself, it's, I'm 44. It's and I was crazy. Dating we, when, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. When we, were, when we were thinking of tips, we would ask our friends, and everybody had, like, a story about, like, well, this person never did this or this, and it's guys and girls being like, it's just, this is flawed. Listen, dating has always been kind of crazy, but I think with the addition of opening up your dating world to everybody in the world, because it's no longer just, you know, the bar you're next to or the town that you grew up in. I think it comes with a certain amount of flaws when you open up to an unlimited amount of uh, options. And if they're real too, I'm sure there's jokes about real ones too in this book, right? Or this, is this really the person I'm talking to on the other line or different things like that? Oh, to be, to be catfished, you mean? Yeah. No, my goodness. We, did, we don't cover that, but that is always uh, something that Laura and I talk about, how you can just hide so much or create a fake profile so easily. Um, you don't know what version. The other thing is when people put profile pics up there, maybe from 25 years ago. So when you meet them in real life, you're like, oh, boy. So that's a big thing, too. Now let's talk about you and your co-author, your, your dating lives. Is that one of the reasons to motivate you as well for this book? Our, our personal dating lives? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, her and I never dated, but I think it was like whenever we would come back from dates, it would be like, I feel like I did something wrong, or I feel like this happened, or the other person, but and it was truly the, the whole – the genesis of the whole thing was if I, if I was dating someone or if she was dating someone, the idea that right. she's like that person for me that we would always have like a brunch afterwards and talk about like what's going on uh, in your relationship life and stuff like that. And that's when we started to realize more and more that, like, oh, my goodness, all these things are happening to both of us. We should, we should talk about it and make it a thing. Um, and that's how the whole book kind of started. And what's your hope from this book? What do you, want, what do you hope that, that, finally, that people are going to finally uh, get back to the days of just talking, talking on the phone or, or having coffee together or a beer and not uh, just, just be not together yet together kind of thing where people are texting each my, other and they're on My hope. Yeah is that when people read this book, A, they'll laugh because we t it's a comedy book first and foremost. You know what I mean? There's jokes, every, there's dialogue yeah. between a guy and a girl talking about each tip. There's a, there's a stick figure next to it. Like it's, it's, just, uh, it's just taking all these weird situations and making comedic. But also, how fun would it be if, like, for some reason, all of a sudden, someone starts walking someone to their car or for some reason, someone is kinder to waiters on a date or, a lot, you know, like you, you learn these little things that even though they're jokes, there's, tr like, there's kernels of truth in all of them. So if you're like, oh, you know what? I should do that more. I should introduce her to my friend or introduce him to my friend and stuff like that. 
So it would be so fun if you got to laugh, but at the same time kind of learn something that would help your relationship for your dating life. Yeah, because you're going to get millennials to pick up a book. It's going to have to be to laugh anyways. You know that. <laughs> I think that's it. And then, then and me and Laura, if we're writing something, we're writing something that's going to be funny. and We're going to try to make it funny anyway. So it, it, for us, it was like we can make this. We can try to turn this on its head and make it funny. So the idea that we can do both is really fun. So what is uh, – give us an update what's new uh, with you uh, regarding acting and stuff. Any other new projects going on with you? Sure, man. So I did a movie called uh, Outside In with J. Duplass and Edie Falco. That just came out in Toronto. I'm doing a movie right now with Kevin Hart, and then I'm doing a movie with Billy Crystal next month. So I'm kind of acting for uh, – in those projects right now. And then on Netflix, there's a movie called Happy Anniversary I did. That will be coming out in the next couple months. And um, slowly all these movies that I did the past couple months are, are, are coming out, which is great. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome, the fact that you can have these opportunities and stuff where because of all these different platforms that you could constantly be promoting and having projects, it's a great time to be in this business, isn't it? It's really cool because you have more control than ever. The idea of creation, like I started by making short films on the Internet and, and freelancing jokes for places. So the idea that if you like, if you're an actor, I still say try to create. You know what I mean? Or, or if you're a writer, make sure you write. Don't don't just sit on it and keep rewriting something. Go write content because you're right. If you have a phone, you could video and you could edit everything. You could record and edit everything on your phone. So there's almost no excuse for you to get out there and try to just create something. If you're if you're passionate about it and you really want to do it. Okay, we can pick up your book, Ben. Best place we can uh, pick up your book is in all finer bookstores for sure and all that stuff. Where, and where's best place? All those, yeah. It's, it comes out tomorrow, and then you can get it on Amazon and all that stuff today, and it, it'll arrive tomorrow morning um, if you get it in time. And it, it all starts tomorrow. It should be in Barnes & Noble on one of those beautiful you know, new arrival racks and all those fun things. So um, look, it literally has a heart over the curse word. It's called Things You Should Already Know About Dating You Effing Idiots. And um, I'm psyched. I'm really excited because, you know, you write a book and then it finally comes out. You hope that people will dig it. But uh, Laura and I are very, very excited. Well, it sounds great. It sounds like you know what's going on, Ben. So, and it's going to be a lot, really funny. So thanks for calling. Best of luck with all your projects. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, brother. Have a good one, man. You too. Take care. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. and We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TuttleTutorNeilHaley.com, and I'm excited to welcome to the program Ed Asner and Ed Weinberger. How are you guys doing? And you're really excited about the book, The Grouchy Historian. How are you guys? Well, we're hoping to sell enough books to afford hearing aids so we can hear you better. <laughs> I'll try to speak up as loud as possible for sure, Ed. Ned, Ed, I, Ed, I want the first question I wanted to bring out to Ed Asner is to tell how great Otfest was. I covered Otfest in LA, and what your son is doing with that with the Autism Film Festival was awesome. And I wanted to just tell you that. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're Thank welcome you for sure. Well. All right, so let's kind of go del- delve into it for sure. Uh, Ed Asner, tell me specifically about why you wrote The Grouchy Historian. Because, well, we're, we're both by nature grouchy, and um, uh, we, we, we thought it was uh, overtime to uh, keep putting up with the right wing's assertions about their authorship and knowledge of the Constitution. We wanted to show the world, and particularly United States citizens, uh, 
It's a living, breathing document that can be interpreted in many different ways, but that it is not a dead issue. It is not something to be fantasized with through the uh, uh, ashes of the original founders or to be interpreted as if we knew what they thought. It's to be interpreted as a a passel of words that uh, we live by and can hope to lead better lives by. Ed Weinberger, tell me specifically your thought process of this book. Again, we see, as it says at the uh, point, it says, an old-time lefty defends our Constitution against right-wing hypocrites and nut jobs. Are you specifically seeing, um, Mr. Weinberger, that just basically people are just picking and choosing out of the Constitution instead of really understanding it? Well, I think that's one of the assertions, and let's just say that First of all, while it's history, we think and hope it's entertaining history. It's a considerable amount of humor went into the book. Uh, and uh, we take on the target today, which I think is important, the Ann Coulters, the Mark Levins. Uh, we we uh, examine the court rulings of Antonin Scalia. We just, and we just try to prove with the words of the fathers themselves how wrong those people are. They got it wrong about, about uh, uh, gay rights, women's rights, women's reproductive rights, the corporate tax rate, and they got it wrong about the Constitution as well. So that's basically our attack, but it's, uh, it's not a diatribe against Trump. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a look at the politics of today, but uh, we think with some humor and certainly some uh, historical truth. So there you okay. go. Interesting. And Mr. Asner, how did we keep the, you kept the book a little bit of a comedy involved and a little lighthearted in, in discovering these things. Uh, I know it's a frustration for you, what you're seeing going on with people and how they're interpreting the constitution, but tell me specifically enough your mindset to make it funny as well. The book. Okay. All right. Well, I, I think I, I think we, we you know funny may not be the exact word, but you know there is, for example, uh, we 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 talk about the the right wing talking points, and then we answer them, and that's you know I can that that's the kind of thing that we. We talk about. I'm looking now to to get. So, for example, when when the the right wing says the way to interpret the Constitution is to determine what the framers were thinking when they wrote it, and our answers our answers is you can't even figure out how the framers took a pee and dance without a fly. How do you figure? You're going to figure out what they were thinking. Mr. Astor says they, you know, he had teenagers. I never knew what they were thinking. And I lived in the same house with them. And hell, I don't even know what I'm thinking half the time myself. So that's one example of uh, attempt. I don't know how that comes across reading it the way as badly as I'm doing. But we, we try to 
we try to answer their position with, at least in some cases, with uh, with what you would call a funny response. Flagrantism is what dictates the right wing and thinking that they knew what the framers and founders were thinking. They don't know a damn thing. <laughs> and uh, it is it is our job through this book to encourage the independent thinking of looking at the Constitution as if it were just written and not written yeah, they, the elders. You know, they, they believe that the framers were a diverse group, and we say that the framers were as diverse a group as the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. So there's some, some examples of what we're talking about. <laughs> So, Mr. Weinberger, you, when you talk about the attacks uh, from the right, you mentioned, uh, you know, Ann Coulter and other people like that. Have you got what response have you gotten from them since, uh, about your about the book? Have they come on social media going and well, blasting we, you guys? We, the, the book came out October 10th, and we haven't heard from anybody as yet. And uh, we welcome, we certainly welcome the uh, uh, response, but. Uh, I think we should point out that you're one of the first radio stations we're talking to. We've just begun promoting the book, and uh, it's only it's only been out there about two days. So we'll wait and see. And Mr. Weinberger, where can we purchase the book and learn more about you? Where can we go? We get it online at Amazon. It's in Barnes and Noble. It should be in bookstores everywhere. It's certainly you can get it on Amazon. And uh, if you don't have a uh, a bookstore in your neighborhood, and unfortunately, most people do not have bookstores in their neighborhoods anymore. It's a sad part of our uh, uh, what's happening in our We've country. We've also got but, an audio uh, version out. Okay, an audio version. Awesome. So well, yes, awesome. Well, thanks, Mr. Asner, and thank you, Mr. Weinberger. Uh, everyone needs to pick out pick up the book. The Grouchy Historian and Old Time Lefty Defends Our Constitution Against Right Wing Hypocrites and Nutships. Thanks for calling, guys, and thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank, thank you for taking the time for having us. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thanks again. Bye bye. You're listening to the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TittleTitter and NeilHaley.com. And I am so excited about my guest today, guests today. And uh, they have been doing the radio thing for a while, but before that, unbelievable Hollywood stories for sure. So I'm excited to welcome the program couple, Larry and Nancy Minetti. Guys, thanks for calling. And we know Larry from Magnum PI. Uh, we know Nancy from Magnum PI Hello. and all that stuff. Guys, thanks for calling and being on the show. I appreciate it. Hey, Neil, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Larry, let's go to the story of, uh, I think the best story is, you know, you had your, your part on Magnum P.I., but did you meet Nancy there? Is that where you guys met? No, we met way before that. Oh, really? Okay. I don't, actually, we met at the actor Robert Conrad's house. Really? Wow. Interesting. And uh, Nancy, yeah, went... good. Go ahead, Nancy. Go ahead, Neil. Oh, I was gonna say. So, Nancy, tell us how you guys met. You went, met at Robert Conrad's house, and was it love at first sight, Nancy? Well, <laughs> no, it was like at first sight. 
and uh, Larry and I became very good friends. Uh, we didn't really date in the beginning. Uh, I went on double dates with him, and uh, I had a boyfriend. He had girlfriends, and somehow, over the years, it just kind of evolved. And um, the next thing Larry knew is we were married. <laughs> yeah, Cupid status arrow. So, so, and then, yeah. um, of course, Larry got Magnum PI, and uh, I was pregnant with our our child, and there was an actor's strike, so they postponed the beginning of Magnum, and when they finally settled the strike, and Larry had to leave for Hawaii, it was too late for me to fly. So I was due in about a month, and my doctor said no. So Larry went off. I had our wonderful son, Lorenzo, here in L.A., and three weeks later, I got on the plane and flew to Hawaii and got off and handed Larry his son. Wow, wow, Larry. Uh, tremendous story. So was she, she's saying she was interested in you in a little bit, but how interested were you and Nancy when you first met her? Well, I was pretty interested, but I wasn't about to let her know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were, uh, you know, at, at that time, I was doing a television series called Baba Black Sheep. And uh, I was pretty young then, uh, the start of my career. And... Uh, in those days, everybody dated, you know, it wasn't like today. Um, so we were both, you know, in different restaurants and different nightclubs, and we just became real good friends. You know, Neil, I got to tell you, I think sometimes that's really a great way because you really get to know the person. It's not, you know, a first date, a second date. And we became really good friends, and I think, that's why we've been married almost 40 years now. That, that's tremendous. So you guys became friends, Larry, before finally dating in certain ways because you were all in, like, the same circles together. And you're like, hey, this seems like somebody. And, and I, we get along and have fun. And that's the key thing to a lasting marriage, isn't Larry? Friendship. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, in any relationship, I believe that, you know, you've got to be friends. you got to have a camaraderie ship with somebody and then to take that step to be married. Divorce was not even in our vocabulary, and uh, we both were very strict about that. We knew that we'd never be divorced, and we knew that we, when we did find the right person, that was it. So it, it paid off. We're still together, and like Nancy said, it's over 40 years. And it'll be another 140 more. That's that's fantastic for sure. Now, Larry, tell us a story about uh, getting the gig with Magnum PI. How did that How did that happen? Well, I was under contract Universal Studios, and um, I had already completed a series called Chase uh, for Universal, and then uh, Robert Conrad wanted me very badly uh, 
in his new series called Baba Black Sheep. So he, I did that. And then uh, we were canceled after a couple of years. And uh, I was speculating the idea of doing Simon and Simon for Universal. And I was pretty set on it. And I got a call from Don Belisario, who was the writer, executive producer of uh, Magnum. And he said, listen, I've got this great role. It's called Rick. And you portray Humphrey Bogart. And uh, you think you're Humphrey Bogart. And you do lines <laughs> like Humphrey Bogart. And you dress like Humphrey Bogart. And I thought this guy was nuts. But I said, well, it sounds interesting, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing another show. Who's starring in this new series? And he said, a new actor named Tom Selleck. Well, ironically, two weeks prior to that, I did, um, what the heck was the name of that thing? I can't remember. Oh, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Anyway, I, I had worked with Tom on a, on a series uh, as guest stars, and I thought that this guy was the most magnificent-looking man on film. And when he said Tom Selleck, I figured, well, with this new guy, I got to take a chance. So that's how it happened. And uh, I was always on a lease when I did a show. I never believed it would last long. I thought that when I went to Hawaii, I would be there for a couple of weeks back <laughs> and looking for another day. That, that's interesting. So you didn't know if the show, Larry, would last or not last. Because, again, you knew the business and how the business works. And some shows do well and others. And you just heard this premise of this show. And you said, really, am I going to luck out to get to go to Hawaii <laughs> to shoot all the time and live in paradise pretty much uh, to for a gig? It's too good to be true, right? Yeah, well, I had done... Uh... Rockford File. Oh, the name of the show I did with Selig was called The Rockford File. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With James Garner. But uh, I had done Baba Black Sheep, The Chase, and then I did a short-lived series called The Duke. So in my mind, these series were not here to stay. So I thought for sure, you know, I'd be back in a couple of weeks. I didn't think Magnum would uh, last long. I knew it was terrific, but uh, the day I was at the supermarket and saw all the magazine covers and Tom Selleck's picture, I said, <laughs> oh, boy, yes. this looks like it's bulletproof. Yep, him being a heartthrob kept that show getting great ratings then, Larry, right? That everyone, all women wanted to see him all the time. Yeah, well, Selleck... Selleck was very, very big. I mean, he's he still is. He's universal. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Nancy, what did you think of this whole situation when you were watching this uh, Magnum PI develop and Larry's uh, getting such a huge uh, opportunity with Magnum PI? Oh, I thought it was magnificent. I was uh, just so proud of the show and 
I have to tell you, being uh, being there, and I I lived there off and on with our son. Um, I would get homesick and fly home once in a while, but um, I got to tell you, the camaraderie between the guys was just magical. They would they would literally have dinner almost every night together after shooting all day. They played jokes on each other. It was, and I, I've been in the business since I was a little girl, been on a lot of sets. And I have to say, the Magnum P.I. set was one of the best ones I've ever seen. It was a happy, happy show. Definitely uh, seems like that. And Larry, you guys felt like a family, right? How many years was this uh, the show? How long did it last? It was eight and a half. Eight and a half. So really, that's a huge family development and relationships, right, Larry, with the people on the show? Yeah, definitely. You know, the guys still talk to each other. Um, in fact, Larry was on the phone with Tom this morning. Oh, wow. So, you know, yeah, the beat goes on. It's great. That's fantastic. So it's, it's it's and that's what that's what acting does, right, Larry? Especially when you spend a lot of time with the same people every day for so long that it, it becomes your family, right? In a lot of ways. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. There okay. are shows that I've done that you don't adhere to the cast. Uh, you know, there's always some goofball somewhere, but. Uh, Magnum was created in heaven when they cast Magnum and put all of us together. It was a chemistry that could not be beat, and uh, it paid off to this day. You can see the camaraderie and the chemistry between us all, and we all really, truly not only liked each other, but I think, honestly, we really love each other. I talk to Selleck all the time. And uh, have great memories. It's uh, something that'll last till the day they close the lid on the coffin. <laughs> and, and and how did that friendship develop, Larry? Because you you worked with them once before, but once you started working with them, what made that relationship so well on set and I guess off as well? You and Tom. Well, he's just a wonderful guy. I mean, uh, like I said, everybody everybody there was very sharing. Uh, nobody was a hog or a pig. Uh, we all uh, talked about our roles when we were on the set. If something didn't work, we talked about it. I mean, it was a congenial uh, set, and uh, we abided by what was right. In other words, uh, everybody had their code for what they dressed. Uh, I dressed in white collars and cuffs and Really stiffy, selling dressed, and a lot of polo. John Hillerman <laughs> was very English. And Roger wore overalls and a T-shirt because he was a helicopter pilot. So, I mean, it, it uh, you know, when you do a film, you have a code, and it's called the Bible. And the Bible states where you're from, who your mother and father was, what the city was like, what your upbringing was like. And that's what you base your role on and kind of critique your way through the show. And I was a Chicago guy that lived on a fence 
a right and wrong. I was not a bad guy. I wasn't a criminal. But I turned my head a little bit if somebody was going to slip a $100 bill in my hand. Uh, where Selleck was the uprighteous guy, we all were in the, in the war in Vietnam. Uh, I don't think I wanted to be there, but I was. And I was a machine gunner on Rogers, who was DC's helicopter, and Tom was on it. And, uh, you know, it, it all worked out. The, the way they specify uh, a story right. is not right. always, yeah. always the way it comes out. Now, Nancy, what was your favorite uh, part, I guess, episode or a different thing that Larry acted in the whole time he was on Magnum P.I.? Because you could take that role as, as as the wife seeing uh, his work and stuff like that. What was your favorite uh, part of uh, that whole series? The one, the one I was in. No, the one you were in. Okay, tell us a little bit about that. So, and then I want to ask a little bit about Buck yeah. Rogers because I'm a huge Buck Rogers fan. But go ahead, uh, Nancy, and tell us, you know, oh, some specific. Yeah, tell us about that yeah, I episode. Did, I, yeah. Yeah. I guest starred on Magnum episode called Computer Date, and I was married to an older man, um, and I was having an affair with Rick, and Tom was doing an investigation for my husband, hired by him, and Tom finds out, or Magnum finds out, that Rick is having an affair with this guy's wife, who was me. So, we had a lot of fun, and, uh, I just so enjoyed it, and in fact, it was on the other day, my husband and I watched it, and what's cool is that uh, we'll always have that piece of film together, so that was really a joy. That's an easy way to to not have to really act, right, Nancy, <laughs> with the whole that whole episode, in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had to tell him I didn't love him, so that was a bit of a stretch, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun, and and it's what's amazing about Magnum PI is those episodes are still on TV all the time, and you get the opportunity, and it's it's something that will never die. Tom Selleck is just it's it's absolutely amazing. Now, Nancy, one other question I wanted to jump real quick was Buck Rogers. What would you say was the the lo- the uh, more reoccurring situation stuff? I'm a huge Buck Rogers fan, by the way, but I wanted to know you know if you were looking at your acting. Uh, resume, especially because of marrying Larry, having children, and and you know, uh, basically being there for him in certain ways. When was Buck Rogers before Magnum or after? No, that was before. Um, that was about a year before. Um, Larry and I were not even married then um, when I did it, and uh, I absolutely adored that. It. It was a it was a very long shoot. Uh, I think it was a two hour episode, and it was just so much fun. Um, I just had a ball doing it. The only thing were I had these boots on that came up to my thighs, which was fine, but the heels were so high my feet ached every night. But it was just a lot of fun got to play this woman who was a killer and had my ray gun. It was like playing, uh, like being a cowboy in the future. 
Absolutely. And that's such a great opportunity. So now, Larry, you and Nancy uh, got in the radio business in a way with a radio show and that uh, you had a radio show from 2011 to 2016. Tell us why do you guys kind of got together and wanted to do a radio show in that way? Well, I don't know. The radio show called us and wanted us to do it. And there was a nuts about it at first, because I had been asked many times to do radio shows. But uh, I said, if we do it, I want to interview actors and uh, baseball players, football players. Right, right, yeah. And do it in own way. And... uh, if you play music on our show, you got to play the kind of music I like. I don't want any of that goofy stuff you can't understand. So, I mean, basically, that's how it happened. And uh, the radio show became a great success. Interesting. And how did you guys work together, Nancy, when you were doing it before? And now bringing it back, we're going to talk about how it's a little different this time than the first time. But Nancy, how did you guys work together? My wife and I, here's a little story. The way I started out in radio is at a college radio station seven years ago, and we did a pilot. And uh, it was a local out in Pittsburgh. And basically, my wife and I had to do it together, uh, the uh, pilot episode. She, didn't, she stopped doing the radio show thing very quickly because she's a school teacher. But uh, we, we started out together in that way. And I always remember, cause she's, she's, she's very talented, yet busy with our five kids that and, and teaching to ever back, be back in radio again. But, Nancy, how did it feel working with Larry like that and, and that opportunity to go back and forth and, 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 and play off each other on the show? Oh, it's fine. Um, you know, we've, we've uh, been together many, many years, and we were always known for hosting big parties in our house, and everybody wanted to go to the Manettis. Um Larry taught me how to cook, and and we we love to cook, and we would we would cook for all of our friends and have a great time. And everybody used to always tell us, "You guys should work together. You two are so funny together. You get along so great." So the radio show was was really terrific. <clears throat> and the other thing I want to bring up, Neil, is that Larry wrote a wonderful book called Aloha Magnum. And uh, it's available at LarryMinetti.com. And it's a compilation of all the shenanigans that went on on the Magnum set and behind the scenes. And uh, it's a fabulous book because, like I said, we are, we're cooks and we have recipes in there. Awesome. And Larry yeah. went through and did a big episode guide and made comments about all the each episode and the guest stars. Oh, that's great. A little riff on each one. So Aloha Magnum is really a great book. So, yeah, Larry, so that that's a, that's a must for a Magnum PI fan to purchase your book, isn't it? Absolutely. And I give your listeners a tip. Don't go on Amazon because right now they've got some used books on there, and they're very, very expensive. So the only place you can get them now is LarryMinetti.com. Excellent. Now, Larry, uh, was that a blast writing that book and and reminiscing on each one of the episodes? 
Can you repeat that? No, I said, was that a blast rewriting that book and re- reminiscing about all your experiences on Magnum PI? Um, it was fun. I mean, yeah. When you reminisce, you think it was a labor of love. I tell you, it took a quite a long time to do it because, um, you know, you, as you know, you think about things in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. You think about things where you're in the bathroom. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I, I had a fellow here that was taking notes, and I had to really squeeze this stuff out of my brain. But once it starts coming out, it flows. That's great, and that's that's definitely a must for sure. Now, Nancy, how's the show going to be different than the show that the, everyone did enjoy for so many year, for the years that you did it, where you're having guests and different things? The show's going to be a little bit different this time, right, Nancy? The one that's about to debut. Yes, yes, it will be a little bit different. Um, we're not necessarily going to interview someone every week, although we will be interviewing people sporadically. Um, I give a recipe out every week because, like I said, I love to cook. And Larry's going to be telling some of his wonderful stories. You know, Larry is very blessed to be friendly with a lot of iconic people, um, such as Ernest Borgnine, Robert Conrad, R.J. Wagner, Mike Connors, who was Mannix, and on and on. So he has some fabulous stories to tell. So he kind of gives out one of his wonderful stories every week. We have people that call in, and the time I must say goes very quickly. And and is that fun, Larry? Interviewing your friends—that's that's an easy thing, right? When they come on and you know them very well and stuff like that—it's pretty simple, right? I, you know, I I can't hear you. Oh yeah, no, 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 no! I'm sorry, Larry. No, I was saying, uh, is, is it was was it fun? It's fun interviewing your friends, right? That you've you've come across with from uh, and things like that, and they come on the show. It's really easy to have a good conversation and get information that some other people might not know about that guest, right? Yeah. Well, you know, being an actor, I know the right buttons to push. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. No actor like. Nobody likes, uh, if you're in the public eye, you don't like personal questions because it isn't right. Uh, but I know the questions they ask, and these are fun. Look, our show's a, a fun show. We don't uh, get involved in politics. I don't uh, look at people and say you're this or you're that. So I don't, you know, I don't want any cards and letters. Uh it's a fun, fun show. We ask questions uh, like Frank Sinatra was a good friend. Elvis Presley is in the book. I mean, there's many, many people that I work with over the years that I've interviewed. And uh, you got you to gotta tread lightly. You know, it's uh, I've never had anybody hang up or say anything. And I ask questions of them which I would like to be asked myself. That's fantastic for sure. So, Nancy, where's the best place? When is the new show debuting and where people can find it? Especially, I know you're going to have the archives after the show airs as well, but where is the best place people can go to find out about your show? Well, we we go live on Tuesdays, every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific time, and then they rerun on the weekends. 